Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Now, we are three days post-Thanksgiving. It's official. It's time. We can finally say it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yay! <laughs> Merry Christmas. Look at this beautiful stage and the beautiful facilities that we have here. Let's give a hand to all of our team of volunteers who decorate everything in Community of Hope. Thank you, team, from our worship team to our first impressions team, our hospitality team, our production team, our communications team, and every volunteer who has helped out to get ready over the past several months for this Christmas season. We honor you and we say thank you to you. I love Christmas. I want to see from every kid here in the room, if Christmas is your favorite holiday, raise your hand. My people, my people. Adults too, is Christmas your favorite holiday for those of you? Yes, let's go. I love Christmas. I always have, it's my favorite holiday. I'm pretty sure that um, one day, many, 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 many years from now, when I retire from being a pastor, God has a second career for me and I'm going to be the next Santa Claus. I just know it. I just know it. What's the criteria to be Santa Claus? Do you love Jesus? Yes, I do. Do you love Christmas? Yes, I do. Do you love children? I love kids. Do you drink only Coca-Cola? You bet. In Jesus' name. That's right. Is your favorite dessert milk and cookies? You better believe it. And do you have a beard? Let's go. I want to be Santa Claus, right? Let's go. Now, Christmas is the best time of year because we all know the best tasting Coca-Cola is the one with Santa Claus on it. Come on. There it is. Look at that. This is the best. Christmas Coca-Cola is the best. And it's also, I'm not sure you notice, it's been clinically proven by scientific studies that I won't cite because they're fake, that Christmas M&Ms are the best tasting M&Ms. By far, by far. In fact, I brought a bunch of these M&Ms with me. I went to the store yesterday and I couldn't help myself. And I want to know what kid in here wants some M&Ms. Let's go. Okay. All right. Let's see if I don't poke somebody's eye out. Okay. Hands up. Here we go. Christmas (laughs) M&Ms. You ready, buddy? Hands up, everybody. Annie, watch out. (laughs) Hey, there we go. Christmas M&M's. There's a bunch of kids right here. Here's another one. Ready? Here we go. One more. Nobody's died yet. It's okay. (laughs) Were any people harmed in the passing out of these M&M's? No? Okay, good. (laughs) All right. Well, Mary, now that I've sufficiently frightened everybody... Okay, so kids, hey kids, everybody right here, right here, right here, right here. If I give you M&M's, you promise you're still going to listen, right? The kids at 9 o'clock kind of half did it. Chocolate smeared all over their faces. It was crazy. So everyone say it here with me. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay. Now, did you know that in church, we just don't have countdown to Christmas, countdown to the 25th. That's more than what the Christmas season is. We call it Advent. Everyone say Advent. Advent. The word Advent comes from a Latin word which means, we're going to put it up here on the screen, Advent means coming, okay? So in this season here that we're doing with Christmas, it's not just, yay, we're counting down to Christmas. We're practicing and celebrating the season of Advent 
And we're remembering the coming of Jesus. Now, what most people don't understand is that it's about the coming of Jesus in two different ways. First, Advent is about how we celebrate his coming as a baby. He was born in Bethlehem with his mother Mary, his earthly father Joseph, the donkey, the stable, the wise men, the shepherds, the angels, all that stuff. We celebrate his coming as a baby. Advent is only half that. The other half of Advent, as Christians have worshipped throughout 2,000 years, is remembering Jesus' coming again in his glory. He came 2,000 years ago, the, um, the Son of God incarnate, where he took on human flesh and became a human being as a baby. And we're also remembering and celebrating how Jesus has promised to come again and make the world right and make everything new. That's Yes, amen. That's the promise of Advent. We're celebrating his birth as a baby, and we're longing for his coming again to make the world right. In fact, I want to show you a picture. Here's a picture of a guy named Charles Wesley. Now, I'm not sure if this hairstyle is ever going to come back in style or not. (laughs) Charles Wesley was born in 1707. He died in 1788. He's the guy who wrote the first song we sang in church today, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Now, if you've been a part of our church for a little bit or been part of our tradition for any period of time, you might recognize his name. Charles Wesley was the brother to John Wesley. And together, John and Charles sparked the Methodist revival. It wasn't a church. It was a revival. It was a movement long before it ever became a church. Uh, there, these two guys transformed the entire nation of England by this movement that the Holy Spirit sparked through them. It leapt across the Atlantic Ocean and sparked a fire in America that started the first great awakening that you learn about in U.S. history. These two guys, John was the preacher and the organizer, and Charles was the one who wrote songs. Because every time you have a great move of God, there's always great teaching, but there's always songs. The people of God love to sing songs. We sing the things that we believe about God. Anybody else grateful for that? This isn't just some academic lecture, but for music. Anytime God does that, there's always music involved. So parents, listen here. John and Charles, their mother's name was Susanna. That's one of the reasons why we named our third daughter Susanna. This woman was called the mother of a revival because she raised John and Charles in the way of Jesus, and they went on to change human history. Parents, grandparents, the most important thing you might ever do in life are the kids who are sitting with you now. You might be raising a revival in your home. Amen? Amen. So in this series, we're calling it Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Can you guys, do we have the graphic for that? I'm not sure. So they're pulling up. So this is, here we go. So this is the name of our sermon series across December. It's named after the song that Charles wrote, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Before it was a song, it was a prayer that Charles wrote because um, he saw the plight of what England was going through in the 1700s. He saw orphans and he saw class discrepancy and it broke his heart. And so he wrote a song that two things at the same time, it remembered that Jesus came as a baby. And it longed for him to come again and make the world right and make all things new. This is what we're talking about in Advent. Come, thou long expected Jesus. So our scripture that we're going to dive into today comes from the Gospel of John. 
And uh, we're going to go ahead, and we've been practicing over the past several weeks in our church to stand when we read the Bible together. So if you're able, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word in honor of what the living Word is going to speak into our hearts today? And so this is John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And for anybody who's a little bit older, maybe for the grown-ups in the room, it would be an awesome spiritual goal for you to maybe try to memorize these 18 verses together. Not today, not next week, but maybe over Advent season as a spiritual discipline to consider. This is what John says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. You don't need to read it with me. I got it. (laughs) It's 18 verses. It's going to be a lot. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from John, who, or sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was not in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they did not, his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And now what might be the most important verse in the entire Bible? The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Would you pray with me? So Jesus, we pray that you would shine the light of your face upon our hearts in this time now. And you would speak to our hearts and you would change our lives. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. In your name we pray and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. So if you're new to the Bible, and um, a lot of people are in our church, our church is built for people who never been to church or don't like church or have issues with the church. We're trying to be a church where unchurched people like to attend. And um, if you're new to the Bible and reading it, the first thing that will help you get to understand what's happening more is to pay attention to what's being repeated over and over again. That's one of the first keys to kind of start grasping what's happening in the Bible. And so in the passage that we just read, there's one word and concept that's being repeated over and over again. It's the concept of light. Now, um, if you notice this, it was in there seven times in five verses. Do you notice? It's repeating itself 
quite a lot. Seven times in five verses. Now, light, as it turns out, if you study the Bible, is the most significant, most used, most comprehensive symbol in all of the Bible from beginning to end. It's kind of a big deal. In Genesis chapter 1, light is there at the beginning of the Bible. And God said, let there be light. It was the first thing God created. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And so we could see even here the dichotomy between light and darkness is already beginning. In a natural, physiological, scientific sense, light versus darkness, but also in a symbolic, spiritual sense, light and darkness. We see that there. Light is at the beginning, but it's also at the end of the Bible. In Revelation 22, check this out. There will be no more night. Whoa. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. There's coming a day where not only will there be no more um, nighttime at all, but there will be no more spiritual and moral darkness in the world at all because the glory of God has shined it all away. Isn't that good news? Now, it's not only at the end of the Bible, it's also in the middle of the Bible, the promise of the coming Messiah in Isaiah 9-2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. It's the promise of the coming anointed one, Messiah, who would come and save the world, Jesus. And so here we are back at John 1, and here are the verses we're going to key in on 4 and 5. In him, Jesus was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So the first thing I want you to know today, if you're taking notes in the CUH app or maybe just on your own, is write this down. Jesus is the light of God. This is what you need to know just for the beginning of today. Jesus is the light of God. What do I mean by that? Kids. How many of you have um, either now or maybe in the past ever been scared of the dark before? Anybody ever been scared of the dark? Yeah, anybody remember what that feels like? Grown-ups, do you remember what it feels like to be scared of the dark? I do. It could be a terrifying thing from time to time. Um, we have storms that go through here. We have hurricanes that go through. And sometimes they knock out the power in our house. And when we lose power in our house and things get dark and even the night lights go off, it could be a little bit scary. And so um, in our family, uh, my kids used to be scared of the dark, and sometimes they still are, and so we have things that we do to help them not be afraid of the dark, especially when big storms come. So what we're going to do here is I'm going to invite the team to lower the blinds and to turn down the lights, and don't worry, I have a light with me. It's not going to get too dark in here. We're going to leave some of the Christmas lights on the stage so nobody needs to be afraid. But even when the power goes out at my house, and my kids have gotten, have been afraid of the dark, what we do is we've given them these lanterns in their beds. And if the power ever goes out and they can't see anything and they get afraid, all they have to do is reach for this lamp. And they pull it up and it brings light. And they could see everything in their room again. And they could see where their brothers or sisters are. They could see where mom and dad are. And they could see that there's no monsters in the closet. In fact, um, if you have your cell phone, go ahead and pull it out and turn on the flashlight right now. And if, if you're sitting next to a parent or grandparent, turn on, turn on the flashlight on your phone and hand it to a kid. Let them hold up the light. There we go. Hold up that light. 
Beautiful. Look at this. So guys, this is what the Bible begins to mean when it says that Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. When we're in dark places, it could be scary. It could be hard. But Jesus' light shines so that we don't have to be afraid. Jesus' light shines wherever you shine a light. Darkness has to run away, doesn't it? When Jesus' light shines into our world and into our lives, the darkness has to run away and we know everything's going to be okay. Amen? Amen. So now, Jesus' light, it's one thing to hold up a lamp and go, it's kind of like Jesus. But his light is way brighter than this lantern, way brighter than your flashlight. Let's go ahead and turn the lights back on in the room. Way brighter than these lights. Way brighter than the sunlight that's coming through the windows. His light is way brighter and way better than any of that. Here's what I mean. So if we dive a little bit deeper into our passage, notice this with me. What does it mean to say that Jesus is the light of God? That sounds like a wonderful Christmas card that you can hand to somebody. But what does it actually mean for you? Well, Here's what it begins to mean. First off, the symbol of light is really a symbol for life. The light is life. That's how John uses it. When he's talking about Jesus is the light of the world, you see Jesus is full of life. Check this out. Chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus himself says this in John, in chapter 8. Check this out. So just a few chapters later, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is in other places in scripture too. In Psalm 36 verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. That's profound. Think about it with me. If you've read any stories from the Bible before, there's a, cha- um, there's a story where Jesus goes up on a mountainside with John, Peter, and James. And before them, they call it the transfiguration, which means that his true glory was revealed to them. It said that he was transformed and his clothes began to shine as bright and as white as light itself. Blinding light was shining from Jesus. So think about it this way. Is Jesus an incandescent bulb? No. It's what it's saying is Jesus is so full of the life force of the creator God the Father that in our reality, this life manifests itself as physical and symbolic light. Profound. Now, some of you are going, what does it even mean? We talk this way. Think about pregnant women. This is what we say to them, is it not? In fact, I have a picture here. Here's a picture of my wife, Leah, and my sister-in-law, Leah's little sister, Whitney, and she's pregnant with their second baby that's due in February. Isn't that great? Yeah, that's great. More little cousins. I'm just relieved for, for, for I'm just relieved that in our family for once it wasn't us having a baby again. Just oh, oh no more, no more. Um, but we say this with pregnant women, don't we? Where you say, "Look at them, they're radiant. Look at her, she's beaming, she's glowing." Don't we say this when somebody is full of life? 
It's like we say they're full of light. It's the same thing. Okay, keep following me. So the light is life. Now the light is also shining. The light shines now. John 1, 5. The light shines in the darkness. Now it doesn't say the light shined in the darkness. It doesn't say the light was shining. It says the light shines. Kids, and grown-ups in the room too, but mainly kids. How many of you, your favorite subject in school is math? Okay, math people are all over in this corner apparently. And right there, I see you, buddy. Um, how many of you, your favorite subject was reading and writing and grammar? Okay, how many of you, your favorite subject was lunch? Yeah, <laughs> last service, somebody went two hands up. Yeah, there it is. Um, I, for me, with school, I was great with math, and I was really great with art. I stunk, and I still do, at grammar and English and writing and reading. It's just not a strong suit for me. Um, if you're on our team, especially our teaching team, everybody knows I'm the pastor with the worst grammar. On our team is Pastor Ephraim, who, um, who came from Venezuela. He got a master's degree in English while he was learning English. Can you believe that? He's just a brilliant man. Ephraim, whose English is his second language. His grammar is light years better than mine. That's not fair. Um, I, that's where I have to joke around when I spell something wrong in the room. I go, I am so smart. S-M-R-T. <laughs> have somebody explain it to you later if you didn't get it. Okay. Now, so go back to John 1.5. So I'm not good with grammar, but check this out. If you look at this verse in the original language that it's written in, the original language of the Bible was not the King James Bible. I hate to break it to you, okay? It's written in what's called Koine Greek. That's what the original manuscripts are. And this word here in Greek, the grammar of it is what's called present active indicative. What that means is it's happening and is continuing to happen right now. So the light that's in Jesus is life and life itself. And this life force that's in Jesus didn't shine 2,000 years ago. It's shining right now on you and on you. Stay with me. It's life and it's shining now. And check this out here. And the light overcomes. Rest of verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the darkness has always tried to overcome it. And the darkness is always trying to overcome it. And it has not. When Jesus was born as a baby, it tried to overcome him. In the form of King Herod trying to kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem. And the darkness could not overcome it then. When Jesus was a grown man in his ministry, he tried to overcome him then by killing him on the cross. And Jesus, for sure, with the help of evil people, corrupt religious leaders, and the Roman Empire, he was nailed to a cross, breathed his last breath, bled, and died on a Roman cross. And the darkness thought it had won. It thought it had the victory, and the enemy spiked the football in the end zone, thought the game was over, but it wasn't. And on the third day, the light of the world rose from the dead, and even the darkness of death itself could not extinguish the light of Jesus, and he rose from the dead and is alive forevermore. Amen? 
He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's not a broken man on a cross. Jesus did not stay in his grave. And friends, he is not staying in heaven forever. He's alive. And he's coming back. And the light overcomes the darkness. Now, so what does all this mean? Great Bible study so far. Cool. Here's what it means for you. So what? This is so what? Jesus' light can overcome the darkness in your life. I don't know what your relationship is with faith. I don't know what your relationship is with Christianity. I don't know what your relationship is with the church. This is a messy world we're living in. But what I do know is that Jesus is real. His life that manifests its life, as his life that manifests as light is real. And I know it can overcome the darkness in your life. We often say this about ourselves that we find ourselves, I'm just in a dark place right now. You ever said that before? And sometimes we can end up in a dark place because of the decisions that we've made that maybe have put us there. Sometimes we're put in a dark place because of the decisions that somebody else made that put us there, or it wasn't our choosing at all. And sometimes you're put in a dark place, not because of my choice or someone else's choices, but just because life itself is messy and this world is broken. And through no one's choices, but through the fallenness of the world, we end up in a dark place and we're hurting and in pain. And I've come here as a messenger of hope. I am not the light. Jesus is the light. And his light can overcome whatever darkness you brought in here today or wherever you're streaming this from right now. His light can shine in that darkness and deliver you from it and overcome it in your life. You'll have a voice in your ear saying, this is it. There's no hope. There's no getting out of this hole that you're in. And Jesus has come to shine his light and say, that's a lie. And hope is real. Amen. Amen. Now, his light can come and overcome the darkness in your life, but his light can overcome the darkness in our world, friends. It's one of the sins of the church in America where we make everything about ourselves and make it self-help Christianity. We forget to talk about the brokenness of the world and just try and make our own life better. But there's more to the good news of Jesus than that. His light can also overcome the darkness in our world. I see it on the news. I read it on the internet. I hear it in all of our conversations I have with all of us. We all know and feel that the world is getting darker. It's becoming more violent. It's becoming more dangerous. It's becoming uh, unsafe. It's becoming more perverse. The world is going darker. And it's the sin of some Christians where we just point at darkness and shame it and retreat into our holy huddles. No, the message of Jesus is that his light could shine even into the deepest darkness of our world. And it's the job of Christians to invite the light of Christ into these dark places. One of the ancient prayers of Christianity is a prayer where they would say in the Greek, Maranatha, which means, well, like what sounds like in Advent, Maranatha means, come, Lord. 
It's like we're saying, come thou long expected Jesus. When you see the war in Ukraine, come Lord. When you see gun violence and shootings erupting all over our nation, come Lord. When you see hatred and division spreading all over our culture and all over our world and even into our own homes and even to our own communities, we say, come Lord. When you get a bad diagnosis, when the cancer returns, when there's death, where there's depression, where there's anxiety, and all these things, and all this darkness, we say the ancient Christian prayer, Lord, we're longing for you to come. Shine your light in this present darkness. And so in Advent, we learn to pray. Come, thou long expected Jesus, into my darkness and into the darkness of our world. For Lord Jesus, you are the only hope of the world. We need you to come. And so in Advent, if you've been part of any traditional church before, you've seen this before. If you've never been to church, you've never been part of a traditional church, this is called an Advent wreath, where there's four candles for the four weeks of Advent, and a Christ candle that we light on Christmas Eve that marks each one of the weeks of Advent. Now, there's nothing spiritual in itself about lighting a candle, but if you light a candle as a symbol of prayer, it could be one of the most spiritual things you can do, because we're inviting the light of Christ to come into the darkness of our lives. Until the lives of our, until the world. And so we light the first candle of Advent, the candle of hope. Just like John or Charles Wesley wrote, the hope of all the earth. And so now is a symbolic act of prayer. We light this candle, and you're gonna get your own candle on your way out today, like Miss Jessica told us. We want you to practice this in your home, own home throughout Advent as a prayer so we remember that in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it let's pray this prayer together here on the screen and this is what we invite you to pray together with your family all throughout this first week of Advent. Let's pray it now. Our God of hope, awaken us to your light in the darkness, your presence in the ordinary. Amen. So Lord Jesus, light of the world, awaken us to your light. Your word says that you who are shining in the darkness, but your own did not recognize your light and they did not receive it. And so they missed it. Lord, we don't want to be people who misses the light. We want to be people who longs for your light, who recognizes it, who receives it. Lord Jesus, we invite you to shine your life into us, into our broken lives, into our darkness. And Jesus, shine your light into the brokenness of our world. Come back. Come home to us and make everything new. Rescue this broken world, Jesus. 
You are the hope of all the earth. And in this Advent season, we long for you to come. Come, thou long expected Jesus. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Um, I want to invite us to do something. I, I felt this in the first service. I feel like God's inviting us to do it again in this service. Um, I could just give a, a benediction and send us out and say Merry Christmas, which we will do in just a moment. Um, but I want to take a moment to any of you who feel like you're in a dark place personally. And I want to pray for you. And no one's going to do anything to embarrass you. Nobody's going to ask you to raise your hand or do anything public. Um, that's the last thing you need if you're, in a, if you're in a dark place. And so whether you're streaming this online from your couch, whether you're here in Loxahatchee, maybe you're watching this later on YouTube. Um, if you're in a dark place, just very quietly and gently, put your hand over your heart like this. Nobody's looking. Nobody's looking. It's just you and the Lord. And I'm going to pray for you. For every hand over their heart that's in a dark place that needs the light of Jesus, we pray, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Jesus, would you shine your light on hearts that are struggling with faith and doubt right now that barely made it here today. Whisper to them that you're with them and you're here. Um, Lord, I feel compelled to pray for people who may have gotten a bad diagnosis this week at the doctor's for a family member and they're losing hope and the light is dwindling in their life. Shine the light of your face on those hearts right now. Fill them with your life and with your light and your presence right now. Uh, Lord, I feel led to pray for people who are struggling with depression right now. Shine your life and your light. Life in the name of Jesus. We rebuke depression in Jesus' name. Lord, shine your life on people in despair and depression. God of peace, crush Satan under their feet right now. Lord, like we lit a candle here today, ignite hope in all of our hearts because you've come and you're coming again. Come thou long expected Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Friends, we have prayer teams here on the side. If anybody needs prayer for anything, come this way before you go that way. Otherwise, Merry Christmas. And we'll see you next week.